Welcome to Conscious Life Design with your host, Natalie Golay. Natalie is a holistic life coach, an expert in conscious life design, and author of Finding Your Why. Natalie believes it is never too late to reinvent yourself. And now, here's your host, Natalie Golay. Hello, and welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I want to talk about why anger and being stuck can be a good thing. Let's face it, in personal development circles, you're discouraged from experiencing negative feelings, right? I get it. Being negative is a stuck state. That's hard to say five times in a row, believe me. It's a stuck state that keeps you from moving forward. But if you are experiencing those feelings, stuffing them down or ignoring them are not is not a solution. You don't want to stuff them down or ignore them. Guilting over having those feelings because you're not, quote, supposed to, is also totally pointless and will not move you forward at all. Today, I want to start looking at these states in a different way. I want you to think about them differently. I want you to see why or when they can be a good thing. Before getting into why feeling stuck or angry is good or can be good, I'd like to make a parenthesis here about anger generally. These are general statements, but I want, I want to sort of introduce this idea to you first. Because as women, we are definitely not encouraged to get angry, even less than men, right? There's a lot of overlap. Generally speaking, though, men are more likely to engage in overt acts of anger, and that's because anger in men, while often condemned, is still more acceptable than in women. It's somehow more justified, more masculine. In women, it's unjustified, hysterical, bitchy, unladylike, and so on. If you're a woman, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Both overt or less overt manifestations of anger are condemned in both sexes, but forgivable in men and a sign of weakness in women. Also, both men and women engage in passive-aggressive, repressed acts of anger, but women more so, or at least that is the generally accepted stereotype, if you want. Women stuff their anger more often, guilt more often over anger, and engage in covert anger more often. As I say in my new book, Finding Your Why, a furious man is much more likely to be forgiven than an angry woman. So now that we've covered that, let's talk in terms of resistance rather than just anger. Because they're all, all forms of resistance have some level of anger or resentment below them, right? You have anger, stuckness, moodiness, uh, indecision, even sadness. All of these are forms of resistance. And if you were to explore those feelings a little, only a little bit, you know, just a little, you probably feel some tinges of anger at the root of all of them. And so you may be wondering, well, how can any of these states be good? Well, it's not the states themselves, but how you feel 
if you feel them on a consistent basis and you notice them, you notice that they're there, they can be a good thing. The key is awareness. I'm going to illustrate with a couple of stories. If, you, if you've heard the first podcast, you'll remember the two women with the retired husbands, right? One woman was uh, angry and resentful because her, her husband had retired and they spent no time together because she was a golf widow. He was always on the golf course. And the other woman was frustrated because he was always around. Remember that? And there are two other stories that I tell in my book. One is the, this woman that we ran across. These are all true because they're, they're things that happened to me and they are the sort of events that kind of made me feel like I should be addressing these issues of, of coaching and conscious life design in the context of, of women in transition. And the reason I did that was all these women that I was running into who were stuck in these various places of anger and resentment. So the third woman was one that I ran into on the street. I was walking with a friend and we ran into a friend of hers who we'll call Betsy. And she was, I don't know, mid fifties, something like that, early fifties. And she just seemed a bit like, of like a, a curmudgeon. <laughs> and I asked my friend about her after we, we kept, we continued our walk. And, and she said, well, you know, I don't know what her problem is, but she had a really successful career. She was, she was in the same company her whole life. She was at the top of her game, and she suddenly felt like she needed a change, and she just dropped everything, bought a house down here in Mexico, and moved here. But she doesn't speak Spanish. She's not interested in the culture. She doesn't like the food, and she never wants to do anything. <laughs> and I was like, wow, why would she do that? right? Why would she do that? And at the same time, this situation that she was in, she wasn't trying to make better. My friend said, we've tried to get her engaged. We've tried to do stuff with her and she just won't. She just seems to get more and more annoyed. So she was very resentful about her situation. She could have sold her house. The market is a seller's market. She could do very well. She could go back home. She wasn't doing that. She'd made a decision. She was stuck in this decision and she didn't know what to do. And she seemed miserable. And then the fourth story, the fourth woman, was not a woman who was angry, angry at all. She's a friend of mine who was wealthy, and she is a friend of mine, actually. She's wealthy. She has a good marriage. She lives very well. She has friends. She entertains. She's involved in charities and so forth. But her youngest left the nest recently. And or recently when I wrote the, the, the story down, which was over a year ago, but her youngest had left and she was suffering from the empty nester syndrome. Right. She was sad. She was depressed, really. And mostly she just was unmotivated. And I asked her, I said, but you have so much stuff to do and, and, and your husband and don't you guys do all kinds of stuff together? Isn't he taking early retirement? so that you guys can spend more time together and so on. And she said, yes, but I don't want him to quit for me. I just don't know who I am anymore. I'll do better when I'm a grandmother. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, you know, no doubt she'll be a wonderful grandmother, but what's she going to do? Sit around and wait to be a grandmother and in the meantime, do nothing with her life? She'd lost her identity. She didn't have internal, a sort of internal impetus to, to, to find that energy and motivation. So that was a different, she was definitely stuck. She was sad. She didn't have that anger 
that I was talking about and the other, all the other women, but she was in the same state of resistance. So all of what all of these women have in common is that not only were they clearly stuck and manifesting various forms of covert anger or, or resentment and sometimes overt anger, they were unaware of it. Now, it's not that they were unaware of their discomfort. They were certainly acutely aware of that. But they were unaware of what it meant. They didn't understand that it was a signal. They didn't understand they could do something about it. They felt totally caught up in their situation. Now, the key to making your anger, stuckness, resentment, sadness work for you is to recognize what it is. Take action. They are indications that all is not right. Even if in your mind you have all this shoulding going on, I should be fine, I should be this, I, I have my health, I have my money, I have my life, I have a good husband, I'm happy, I live in a beautiful country. But there's a signal that something's not right. It's your higher self's way of pushing you toward change and toward action. But you have to recognize it or the signal goes unnoticed and you, you end up wallowing in your own anger or resentment or passive aggressive behavior. Sometimes you may respond correctly uh, in a sort of unconscious way because you're just suddenly sort of a reflex, right? But if you can learn to consciously recognize the signs when they start appearing, you can nip that right in the bud. You can use those, you can start to sort of see anger and, and all the different uh, forms, in all its different forms, as, as simply a tool, simply a way to move yourself forward. And that's a positive way to, do, to look at anger. Instead of running away from it, rejecting it, saying, oh my gosh, I feel guilty over this. Instead of that, you go, what is it trying to tell me? It's not about blame. It's not about outside blame or internal blame. It's about taking responsibility for your own feelings and responding in a proactive way. Depending on the circumstances, you may need to experience that resistance for a while. Right? We all need to do that. We're human. We can't get away from our feelings. Feel the anger. Experience the resentment. Feel sorry for yourself for a while. That's fine. Go ahead, but don't wallow. If it becomes a habit, it will be much harder to break. And as human beings, we're creatures of habit. We go to what we know, even when it's bad for us. Remember that. The other thing to remember about anger is that the women, for example, in my stories, and, and this applies to anyone who's experiencing anger, probably were also experiencing fear. You see, anger is a natural response to fear. Fear is the weakest form of resistance, right? It's completely, it's, it's a state of victimhood and it's very difficult to act when you're in fear. So anger in a way is, is, this is another way that it's good, is that it, it's showing you that you're reacting to the fear. Just notice, like if you've ever been in a big scare, if you've had, a, a, you know, you had an accident, but nothing really bad happened, but you had a really big scare, you, you usually feel angry afterwards. Have you noticed that? It's part of the recovery process. 
Fear is a weak state. It's weaker than anger. You move into anger to reclaim your power, right? That's good. You just don't want to stay there. You use it to propel yourself forward. Anger is or should be a transitional state, not a state you live in and not a habit you develop. If you're conscious of what's happening, you can choose to make that shift to a more positive, proactive behavior based on how you're feeling. So you feel angry, you're feeling sorry for yourself, you go, okay, I, I want to feel badly right now. Okay, I'm done, right? Now what do I do? And now you start moving forward. Basically, from a practical perspective, when you're anger, you're reacting to the resistance, but you're not responding what you need to do is get to that state where you're responding consciously in a positive way that will get you unstuck. Otherwise, you're going to be in this sort of self-perpetuating state of anger breeds anger and blame, and it's everybody's fault, and I don't know why I'm here, and there's nothing I can do. You don't want to be there. So learn to recognize the signals. Let's see. We've already covered anger can be just overt anger. It can be stuckness. It can be also lack of motivation, lack of interest. It can be when you find yourself blaming others or yourself constantly. Uh, it can also be procrastination or just a general feeling of dissatisfaction. The I don't know what I want and it pisses me off feeling, right? That's a signal. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, red flags. Hey, you need to do something. Nobody else can do this for you. You have to do it. Once you're aware, it'll be much easier for you to take steps to make the changes you need. Don't focus on how yucky you feel. Focus on the result you want. And sometimes that's hard because, like I said, sometimes you need to spend some time in that feeling. But at some point, you're like, I'm done with this. But what do I do? Well, focus on the solution you want. Always stay focused on the solution. If you're really having trouble with this, I go back to what I recommended in the first podcast, which is meditation. It can be extremely helpful to sort your feelings and to get you moving forward. And then you can, develop, you can use other personal development techniques like visualization and affirmations and so on to shift your mood because you can't have two moods at the same time. Your, your mind can't occupy those two spaces. You can't be both angry and looking for a positive solution. So give your subconscious and your conscious mind, but mostly your subconscious, give them a problem to solve and they'll work on solving that and they'll stop looking backwards at the problem. Now that you're aware of what resistance looks like and what it means, you can work with it Acknowledge it and then figure out what you want instead. This is the focus of the book that I was telling you about. It's not published yet, but I just finished it up and it's uh, with the editor right now. And it is also the first stage of my signature coaching program called Second Wind. It's very, very important to focus on what you want. If you don't do that, you can't, you can't move forward. You can't plan. You can't set goals. You can't create the life you desire. You can't engage in conscious life design. So you really want to start there. 
whether it's with a coach or not, it doesn't matter. You need to look at what you want instead if you're stuck and angry. Now, I was talking about personal development techniques uh, a little bit earlier, just talking about meditation, visualization, and so on. Well, in our next episode, I'm going to talk about personal de development, but what I'm going to be talking about is the science or spirit debate that sort of is constantly raging around this topic of personal development. I'm going to talk about why I feel that personal development and the associated techniques can work for anyone, whether you're more spiritually inclined, more so-called new agey, or if you're more pragmatic, more positivist, more scientific, and you, you don't identify with the sort of new agey or new age movement, new thought movement. Personal development techniques can work for everyone. You can adapt them to your needs. And I want to talk about that in the next episode because it's really important to understand that. There's this sort of false debate going on, in my opinion, between, oh, spirit or science, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's necessary. You don't need to engage in that debate to benefit from, from a lot of these practices. If anything resonated today with you and you'd like to explore it further in the context of your own life, if you've been thinking that you might need some coaching, but you don't know where to start, I want to invite you to sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one session with me. This is not a 20-minute sales pitch. It's a real session that will go on as necessary to explore whatever is on your mind regarding coaching and what your next step should be. I want you to come away with it with some actionable information that will help you move forward. That's my goal. If you're interested in signing up for a free one-on-one -on -one session, just visit my website and fill out the form. Now, that's it for today, but I want you to tune in next time where I'm going to give you my take on science, spirit, and personal development. I hope to see you there. Now that Natalie has shared with you some tools to help you feel more energized and start living your life on purpose, it's time for you to take charge and begin to craft the wonderful life you deserve. If what Natalie spoke about today resonated with you and you would like to explore more, Natalie invites you to schedule an appointment with her. Please visit her website at www.natalegole.com, where you can also find Natalie's book, Finding Your Why. Natalie's new book takes you on a step-by-step -step journey of self-discovery, exploring who you really are and what you really want. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, please visit the Tenacious Living Network at tlrstation.com.